are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And he is frantically looking at his bet, but failing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, For the exciting end feature not later prepared. on. Um, we are the football shed. We're here every week. We're based in Melbourne. Just three English blokes talking about football. Um, we record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name, the football shed. Um, you can find us on iTunes. And now you can find us on Spotify. Well, that's exciting, exciting news. Did you know it is exciting news, right? Because my missus' dad is—he um, <laughs> he doesn't listen to this, so this yeah. is why I can say what I like. Which is, um, and but the problem is, he doesn't listen to this because he doesn't quite understand the future yeah. and how things like podcasts work. Well, yes, but he loves listening to talk radio. So in England, he listens to like—he's from Liverpool, yeah. so he listens to Northwest. Talk back yeah. radio where just people are whinging about the price of sausages and Tesco's and, yeah. and changing to the metric system, and um, <laughs> so he can't work out podcasts. And fair enough, because yeah. why should he care? Because yeah. you know you yeah. don't have to. Yeah, yeah. You can just give up. Yeah. And um, so actually, Spotify is easy because yeah. you just Spotify. Yeah. You can like you can get Spotify. It's different to podcasts. And it's it's changing your it's life. It's free. You just get adverts in the middle of it. Yes, yeah, perfect. And, uh, Do we make money out of those adverts? No, Spotify make money. Oh, adverts. fuck Spotify. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I mean, <laughs> yay, Spotify. <laughs> um, but yes, if you go on Spotify and uh, your Jeff's father-in-law, just search Football Shed, and it will be there. The irony is he'll be able to listen to this one as the first one, which is the one that I'm saying he's old and he should <laughs> give up. <laughs> he's also an Everton fan. Um, if you do enjoy it, give us a review, uh, subscribe on iTunes, tell your mates. Um, if you want to get in contact, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com um, or you can find us on social media to search Football Shed Podcast and we appear. And there may be some actual emails later on today. Actual emails. Actual emails. Um, but every week we start with a question. This week, it's International Week and Spain played this morning. What, did, what, what was the competition, John? The competition. The Nations League. <laughs> yes, it was. The was, it the, was it the, the Nations League? <laughs> it was the Nations League. Wow, it's exciting. <laughs> it was very exciting. Um, but Sergio Ramos played for Spain. Um, he is uh, almost their leading cap holder. Is that what cap holder? Earner? Winner? Winner. Winner. Won well, the most cap, cap played? Cap holder? Capped. Most capped. Yeah. Most capped, yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Good. How many caps has he won for Spain? Oh, 132? No. 116. 158. Shut the funk door. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a lot. 158. That's why I thought... Uh, it was who's he going to beat? Hierro? Casillas has got 167. Oh, the thing is... but the, Okay, so it's, uh, it's outrageous and I was wrong and, and <laughs> I think everyone at home would have been wrong because that's a lot. Yeah. But... um. I guess it's because Spain gets so far in tournaments that they play seven games every tournament, don't they? Exactly. So even if he starts playing international football at the same time as Harry Kane, they play to the same... Harry Kane is not going to play as much as uh, as Ramos. No, and he's only 32. So he's probably, Oh, my God. He's got another three or four years in him. He'll probably going to do another World Cup. The oh. most ever is 184 by an Egyptian guy whose name I can't remember. Did you see George Ware... Played in a in a friendly. See, President George Ware. Yeah. He played in a friendly um, for Liberia. For Liberia. The, the, this this was this was in, in the news. Um, yeah, well, he's like forty nine or something. Maybe older than that. Uh, His son now plays for PSG. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, anyway, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Managed to get seventy minutes under the belt. Seventy seven zero. He's like forty nine years old. Well, he, he was good in his time. He was good. He's, well, he's all right now. Yeah. But um, talking of Spain, Roger, have you found your bet yet? Are you 
going, you're done? Yeah, I'll, I'll bake it up. Carry on. Good one. Um, I watched England against Spain on Saturday morning? Sunday morning. Early in the morning at the weekend. Um, and England lost 2-1. But I thought they were actually quite good. Um, okay. The first half, Spain were better than us. Um, but we got a goal on the counter-attack. Luke Shaw's pass, brilliant, brilliant pass. was yeah. amazing. For is it a pa- I always wonder with that. Is it a pass or a cross? Because it was along, <laughs> it was along the ground. Well, it's exciting in the Gibbs house, uh, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, but I was like, is that a pass or is it a cross? Because he's out wide, but it can't. It was more like a pass. It was like, it's a low cross. Yeah, yeah. but it was, it was, it was brilliant because that. Yeah, it's such a difficult thing to do because effectively he only had about a foot where he could yeah. put that ball. And it, it would it wouldn't get cut out by the keeper or the defender, and he got it exactly right. And yeah. I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, and made it easy for Rashford to put away. Is he going to be injured for a while? Um, no, I don't think it's going to be too long. It's only a week or two. He just basically got hit in the back of the head. It was pretty. It was horrible. Dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was gross, and he just got completely knocked out. Um, but they did scans in Wembley Stadium because it's so fancy now. They have MRI scanners, so he didn't have to go to hospital. Wow. So they didn't even... Down to the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just down to the basement. Um, no big damage, but he's just got to rest for two weeks. And then he'll be back. It's a shame because he's been playing exceptionally well yeah, this Yeah, feel like he might week. lose that momentum of... of yeah. oh, he just seems to be unlucky. Like he, get, yeah. he obviously <laughs> yes. had a, a, one of the most horrendous broken legs you can have. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, yeah, he's got some real momentum this year. Even Mourinho's on board and now he's... And now probably Mourinho will pick Ashley Young and then go, oh, no, Ashley, sorry. But look, so it's been the international week, which means that kind of I'm not as switched on with my football news as I I should be. But um, someone went to see that the person. Someone went to see him after the game in the in the dressing room to see if he was all right. Do you see that story? No. Oh well, you have to do your research then, because that's all I know. Um, (laughs) But what I feel like you were going to give us some more. Yeah. So basically, England's (laughs) behaving. <laughs> Isn't it weird that in football we still measure things in feet? Yeah. Because of all of the games, for that to be a bit confusing. Yeah. Football, I mean, because it's about feet, isn't it? Yeah. But then it's also about feet. Still in it's cricket, <laughs> too. But in cricket, you use bats and balls, and so you can have a bat's width. <laughs> but to say that he put that pass as only a foot, he could put it. Do you know? Do, my brain thinks. For future reference, Rog, we should not invite Jeff to International Week. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, what do you mean? So he put it, it was foot perfect. But is that does that mean it was a good pass? Or does that mean it was well measured? It was inch perfect. Inch perfect. Yeah, but Roger said it, it, it was foot perfect. No, I said he had about, he only about, had about a foot. foot where <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. so I'm thinking, I mean, he, are you? Well, what's that? It's about the fact that it's a measure. Like a foot. 12 inches. But in football... It's not the ball's not a foot. No, as the ball's probably about. I'm going to talk about the England game. Yeah, I'm bored of this. Uh, what have you um, got for us? So <laughs> the goal was good, um, but Spain replied really, really quickly um, and were very good. We played three-three-two-two again with um, Deli Ali and Lingard playing as the kind of forward two midfielders behind Rashford and Kane. Um, I so no Sterling. No, oh, he's dropped out. Yeah, he's injured. Yeah. But I think it was you, that kind of game. You got to play two defensive midfielders. I think you got to play Dyer and Henderson because Henderson's just one man against four amazing Spanish midfielders and just got overrun. So we got overrun a bit. Yeah. So I think that was a bit of an error. Um, I thought Rashford was excellent. Harry Kane just dropped too deep. 
Harry Kane just kept coming like into the number 10 role and it was annoying. He just didn't stand up front. You just want him to stand up front and go, I'll score goals. Do you think it was strategic? Was he told to do that? Or do you think he was getting frustrated that he wasn't seeing the ball? I think it's the second one. I think it's yeah. frustrated he's not getting the ball, so it kind of comes deeper, but then it kind of makes it harder because then you haven't got anyone to aim for. You've got for. no link. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we were good. What was really good, I thought, was in the second half, the last 20, 25 minutes, um, we were 2-1 down. And rather than panicking or hoofing the ball or kind of going, oh, we don't know what to do, we'll just play it long, um, we carried on actually playing football. We actually just carried on going, oh, yeah, we're just going to try and make triangles and play around and pass. And it worked. And we kept the ball. We didn't panic. In the Croatia semi-final in the World Cup, when we were down in the second half, we just went old school, panic, shoot off. And it was obvious that they'd been told, like, Watch, we watched back the game in training before that and went like this is what we did wrong if we go down we don't panic we just carry on doing what we're doing and they did that which was good and they should have had a goal at the end for yeah I, I don't don't agree that it was a free kick against um, Welbeck Welbeck he all. just stood there just stood there De Gea dropped it it's yeah. a goal yeah. like, it just was it was, it was definitely a goal it, yeah. it is really concerning to me that we are talking about England and talking about England who are on the up and we're talking about players like Danny Welbeck, Loftus Cheek, uh, uh, Rashford. We're we're talking about players who just are not playing in the Premier League, Mm. and that is very concerning because it it feels like when the England squad had a a camp, like a a pre-tournament training camp, they got together, they got the same ideas, and went a good distance in a tournament. It meant that they they were playing regularly, they were sharp, they were making the right choices, they were sticking to a plan. You know, it was great to watch. It was forward-thinking football that was intelligent. But I fear that now it's dissipated into their Premier League clubs and they're just not getting game time. Yeah. That We've seen the peak of this England squad because by the end of the year, there's going to be even less game time amongst them. And for a lot of... Like this morning, Loftus-Cheek started, Delft started, and um, someone else started, I can't remember who. But basically, between the three of those players, they only played 33 minutes of our um, league football this season. And See, that's just not good enough. Like, but, I mean, Southgate has come out and voiced his frustration with it, that he believes there needs to be some fairly drastic, you know, rethink yeah. of of what of what is happening in the Premier League in terms yeah. of players getting game time. But, I mean, the other school of thought says, I've listened to a bit of talk, I didn't watch the game, but I've heard a bit of talk about it in the week. Um, and it seems like there's, you know, one camp that says well here we go you know England have lost three in a row we're back to being shit again <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, the other camp true. that is still has the optimism of the World Cup and said mm. well you know look we went quite far in a World Cup We, it was different than normal we played yeah. better football um, let's try and stick to playing that good football and maybe to progress to that next level we just need to wait because we know that our youth teams are doing very well and maybe what will change is that, like we're seeing, is some of our young players will go overseas to play if they're not getting the chance in the Premier League. And maybe our next jump comes from, you know, Jordan Sancho being good by Euro 2020. Yeah. I, don't, I don't subscribe to that first camp. I think that when you say, oh, we lost three games in a row, we lost the World Cup semi-final <laughs> exactly. and the third place playoff, which is the most pointless game of international football anyone. And then we lost against Spain, who are a better side than England. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so fair enough. So you can take the Spain result, we lost against Spain, yeah. that's shit. The yeah. other two, they are what they are. Yeah. But I think the other I, thing is with the run 
we can't get too carried away with the semi-final in that I mean I was more encouraged by the way that we played perhaps rather than getting to the semi-final because I think largely things fell our way a bit in that we didn't have to beat a really good team to get to the yeah. semi-finals yeah but you, you oh, the, the cliche you beat who's in front of you yeah. but the, what's the point in international football the point is if you if you think of it in a global perspective the point is to win the World Cup yeah Everything points to winning the World Cup. You even say that the European Championships, like the Asian Championships, they yeah. are preparation for the World for Cup. For the World Cup, yeah. if you win the Euros, great. The thing you'd be thinking, oh well, that means we're going to be primed for the World Cup. That's that's the point. If we, if England won the Euros, it still wouldn't be a World Cup and wouldn't be as good. Yeah. All of the qualifiers, the point is to win the World Cup. That's the pinnacle of football. You know, when English players play in the Premier League, they want to play very, very well so they get selected for England so that they can win the World Cup. Yeah. So getting to the semi-final of the World Cup. Is the point, you know, being unbeaten in a qualifying campaign of eight teams beating Andorra and 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 Liechtenstein? Yeah, great. We can we can win every single game of those. But what's the point? The yeah. point is to get to the semi final and the final of a World Cup. Yeah. So the the rhetoric about you know we could have lost four games in a row, first time ever. Bloody, someone came up to me and told me that uh, Southgate could be the first manager to get relegated from the Premier League and with England. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and I'm like, well, you know, it's, we got to the semi-final of the fucking World Cup. That's great. That's I, the point. Everything I've listened to since the games over the weekend and the game this morning, Ray, there's been a lot of old, bitter English pundits, um, Chris Waddle and Terry Butcher especially, who are just like, oh yeah, we're not good enough, and oh, we need a player need a like, number ten. And like someone said, oh, we need a. Paul Scholes or a Stephen Gerrard or a Frank Lampard did any of those get to the semi-final of the World Cup? Absolutely not. No. no. So do we need them? No. But I think that part of it as well is is the is England and we have this I don't know what it is like this in <laughs> this inbuilt desire to like overanalyze everything when it comes to our football team. Like football's so big in the UK and when there's a tournament on, it's obviously yeah. everywhere and it takes over and. I think because of that and because of the amount of interest, there's then always this fucking like inquest, whatever happens when we go but out. Then I think- and then it's like, so the, to, to me, when that happens, it's kind of like you're starting again. Yeah. Because it hasn't gone well, obviously, or like hasn't gone perfectly since 1966. But then <laughs> if you're working in two or four year cycles, how can you ever, you know, have continuity to get really good? You can't because if you throw the baby out every time you you know go out of the tournament but that's what's annoying me is that Gareth Southgate obviously has a plan and a long term plan that's going to progress over time and he's bringing through youth players and it's got us to a World Cup semi-final we play two games where we don't play brilliantly but not awful some players it's basically pre-season for them because they haven't played a game yet Yeah. and people are already going oh yeah we're not good enough or oh, we, we just need this player or that player or no hang on a sec We've got a system that's working. Maybe it needs tweaking. We've got young players coming through, and we've got a manager who has a plan rather than just panicking. And yeah, there's some exciting things. Like I think you know, if we do, if we add a new sprinkling of youth to what Southgate's doing, and some of those players that we talk about do kick on a bit, yeah. then I do see natural progression. And if we get natural progression from being in a World Cup semi-final, we're we're going to be doing all right. I mean, the uh, what about Southgate? I hear that he. His contract talk has stalled. Do we, I, know, what, do we know what that's about? No, it, it has stalled. But I, my non-informed opinion 
is that contract negotiations take a while and the press like to make a thing out of something and he's probably just working out with his agent the exact numbers and it will get signed soon. Like, yeah. I don't think... It's it's a non-story that... It's they being want, made a story. They want to make a story. I, I also think that the the rhetoric that Southgate's had is very similar to the conversation we just had about, about minutes and players. Yeah. And I think that he knows that his hands are, are kind of tight with... With the players he has available to him, even though that he has all the talent in the world there to be to be utilised, but but none of it. And if the FA has any, I, if I was Southgate, I'd be looking at some kind of commitment from the FA to to have quotas to do something with English football to make my yeah. job as the manager of the national team not completely lopsided against me. Yeah, yeah. And I, and so I wouldn't be signing a contract. I'd be saying, you know. Give me, give me a, yeah. give me a format. Give me a system that means that I'm going to get players who play games, yeah. or you're going to you're going to pay me a lot of money to be bringing players from the championship. Also, or, he's on a quarter of the wage Sam Allardyce was on. Like, oh, come on, they could get him on yeah. The, yeah, so they could get they him, got on, him the on the cheap because he was a bit of a. And so, if you're Southgate and you've just taken the team to the World Cup semi final, you're going to negotiate there. Of course, go, you would. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, move on to any other uh, international... Spain put it in perspective this morning. Let's, did you I saw Spain won 6-0. Maybe Croatia 6-0. Looked brilliant. Yes. So maybe that puts our result in perspective. So we did well. quite well against yeah. Spain, really. Yeah. yeah, did you see um, Ryan Babel scored for the Netherlands? Yes. Wow. Wow. Ryan Babel. Do you know how long it was since his last goal for Holland? No, go on. 13 years. Wow. <laughs> that is brilliant. Amazing. And and so he would have been 19 or something when he yeah. was first goal and... Yeah, that's... yeah, 2005. If I... yeah. It's absolutely outrageous. And he had pink hair. Did you see that? Oh, wow. Now or when he scored now. his goal? Now. And whilst we're going to just skim over a few international yeah. results, without obviously I'm not going to talk about the Nations League all day because it's <laughs> do everyone's head in. But Iceland is shit at football. Yeah, it's almost like <laughs> yeah. the, like reality struck. <laughs> and what happened? Yeah. This is like Leicester. We're looking back, going. Oh, what happened that year? I almost can't remember how a perfect storm happened and Iceland was suddenly yeah. amazing at football. Well, Denmark won the Euros. It, you know, oh. Their population's not that much more than Iceland. Um, Iceland have lost their coach and they had four key players injured, apparently. But still, it's a big love. They lost 3-0 to Belgium and 6-0 to someone else. Yeah. 6-0 uh, to Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. And we beat 1-0. Can we give a shout-out to Kosovo winning their first game of football? Yes. First they, ever game of football. They beat the Faroe Islands 2-0. The, thing Form- about- the formidable Faroe Islands. <laughs> I think that says it on their crest. Um, that's the one thing I do like about the Nations League is that you get the same teams of similar standard playing against each other, so they're actually competitive games. So you're getting... Faroe Islands able to actually have a game against someone that they might win, might lose, Kosovo, and so on. I think that's actually a good thing. Well, and you might be surprised to hear, but I feel fairly positive <laughs> about <laughs> the Nations voice, League much. after week one mm. with yeah. the Nations League in that it's better than friendlies. That might be it's that might be the only positive thing about it, but it is like I feel like there was more engagement. There was more engagement from everyone, from the press, from players, yeah. from teams. Like the, we're just watching uh, bits of it. Yeah. It genuinely looked like players cared a bit more. It's whereas, in, yeah. whereas in a friendly, you know, after sixty minutes, you're like, well, I'm not watching just this anymore. Don't care, yeah. you know, seventeen substitutes and no one cares. I got up at five a.m. this morning to watch England Switzerland. After at ten past five, I went. I'm an idiot. What am I doing? Because well, it was friendly. But I think if it was your yeah. Nations League day, yeah, I'd be like, oh, this is good. Which you comfortably stayed in your bed for. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Um, and talking of small teams doing well, I've just noticed we've got all the UEFA Nations League results in front of us. Um, Luxembourg won 4 0 against Moldova. Wow. I don't think a... Luxembourg have ever won a game. No, that's a, that's a big result. And then they beat San Marino 3 0 away from home. Yeah, so, there's, there's something in this. San Marino are one of the worst. No, teams but Luxembourg, the world, there's like eight people. Yeah, I mean, if Luxembourg got to a Euros, that would be, That'd be uh, awesome. amazing. <laughs> Look, yeah. all of this loving for the Nations League, I've got to highlight. Um, <laughs> The result of the day, which was Latvia and Dora. Oh, yeah? Nil-nil. Oh, good. <laughs> I wish I'd got up at 4am for that one. That would have been perfect. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on with international football is I watched the uh, Wales-Ireland game. Wales beat Ireland 4-1. I watched the mini-match on Optus. Um, and Ethan Ampadu played for Wales. Yeah, I heard. He looked very good. Yeah, well, well, well. He didn't look... I mean, he plays football well. <laughs> as far as his appearance goes, he looks like a... a Hobo. Uh, like he's in a, he's in a cod reggae band from oh, 1976. Dreadlock, yeah. Yeah, okay. He has genuine fat dreadlocks. Like when you go to a festival, you know there's that guy <laughs> yeah, that has yeah. those really gross fat dreadlocks. He's invested in them. Yeah. Like his, his last five years is invested in that hair. And he's only 17. So he's thought about that young. He's got quite... quite um, Forgiving parents, I'd say. Quite, quite willing parents. Yeah. So they go, oh, you know, you do what you like with your hair. Well, it's your hair, son. He's from Exeter. It's all hippies down there. Ah, oh, so. like you, Rog. Where's <laughs> down, um, down there? Where Where's he playing? Where's he so playing his trade? He plays for Chelsea. Oh, um, okay. So he started at Exeter um, and got into the first team as a 15 year old um, and couldn't play in their playoff game because he had a GCSE exam that day. Wow. So he couldn't play in their playoff game. Um, played about 15, 20 games for the Exeter first team and was brilliant. Um, and then got signed by Chelsea and has played there. He's a centre-back uh, or defensive midfielder. Um, they had on the radio um, Paul Tisdale, his manager at Exeter, on, um, and he put him in the first team as a centre-back, as a 15-year-old, when wow. they were struggling. And he was just like... I just this guy's amazing like I have complete faith in him he'll be brilliant and he was excellent um, he's I watched the game for Wales against Ireland he played defensive midfield but almost in a kind of Perlo way he was pinging balls everywhere and he won every header every tackle um, he's just got this authority about him that he just strolls around the park like a 32 year old just going I own this and that was an international competitive game in the Nations League Nations League <laughs> um, well, I saw um, Wales had 13 players in their squad for this game that were younger than the youngest player in Ireland's squad yeah so sorry say that stat, stat again Wales had 13 players in their squad who were younger than the youngest player in the Irish squad. That's incredible. And I think when you see a scoreline like that and you see what's going on behind the scenes with Keane and um, Martin O'Neill that's coming up this week. Yeah. um, I just think it shows that those two nations are poles. And uh, Republic of Ireland had a good win as well. But uh, that's interesting. Was it Wales being... uh, Sorry, Northern Ireland, yeah. Was it um, Wales being good or Republic being bad it's difficult to tell because Ireland are in a mess um, but Wales were excellent and really, really and they've got that bit of class with Gareth Bale Aaron Ramsey they've got those few players but they've also got your Ashley Williamses of the world mm. Sam Vokes yeah exactly who aren't brilliant <laughs> do you know Wales and Turkey are the only countries named after animals <laughs> See, like I said international week don't invite yeah. Jeff 
What? Where is some of this coming from? It's good. Wales? Yeah, you know, Wales. Yeah, but it's spelt wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do we want to move on from international? Yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm sick of it. And and after four games of the Premier League, okay, I say I'm sick of it, which is true. It also, there is a part of me that enjoys getting up on a Sunday morning and not being worried that Everton have lost. Yeah, okay. that's that's nice. No, it's, yeah. it's nice to not have that stress. I can relax for a weekend. <laughs> well, I didn't but... feel any anger or like animosity. Normally, when it's international friendlies, particularly early on in the season, I'm, it just makes me angry. I'm Resentful. Like, this, yeah, this is so pointless. Like, why are we doing this so early? Whereas I think this time it was just maybe mild annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, it was almost like a, a welcome break in yeah. a way. Ready to um, get back. Jeffo, is there something you would like to uh, yeah. talk about this other yeah, so Because obviously it was international, and I've only paid very little attention to mission yeah. international football, um, I, I stumbled across uh, a piece with, it was an interview with Shad Khan. Shad yeah. Khan, yeah. is that how you pronounce his name? The owner of Fulham and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, and, I, and he wants to buy Wembley. He's the bloke who, who bids yeah. £600 million or something yeah. for Wembley Stadium. Um, that was an interview with him about how he... Uh, and I'm not just going to regurgitate the interview because yeah. you might as well just seek it, seek it out yourself, but, but what I took from it. Um, talking to him about the difference between football and other sports. So, so how he has adapted to owning a football club and not a Premier League club. When he... Like his first year at Fulham, they got relegated. Then they got promoted again. Then they went up obviously in the in yeah. the playoffs he said the playoff final was the single greatest sporting event he's ever seen in his life um, excuse my ignorance what do the Jacksonville Tigers play Jacksonville Jaguars uh, American football American NFL and, but what he says is, is the difference between American-based sports, and when, and when I say American-based sports, I mean American-structured sports, franchises. Yeah. And being in Australia, it's quite poignant because yeah. we're going through the AFL final series, series yeah. right now and the um, NRL final series, where yeah. essentially you know you, you have a finite amount of teams and they all just spadge around with each other every year and yeah. a different one comes out on top and then the shit ones get better draft picks and then they spadge around next year. <laughs> and, and it is pretty pointless. Um and one of the things that we've spoken about, I'm going all over the place here, yeah. but one of the things that we've spoken a lot about this season and we've looked in our pre-season predictions is actually how exciting it is to see the new clubs come up and, and invest and see what they do in this type, type of football they play. And and what this what this bloke was saying was that the difference between being so involved in a NFL club versus in a football league club, yeah. he said that you, you can't just shut up shop and start again. You can't, you can't go, we're crap, burn the house down, Start again, get new coaches in, new strategy in, spend the money, start again, see what happens. It's impossible. He goes, you, you're, uh, you're an aircraft, that's, you're an airplane that's crashing slowly, but what you do is you have to rebuild and save the aircraft as you're crashing to stop it hit the floor in flames. Whereas in other, in other sporting events, so in, in the NFL, in some of these Australian sports, in the franchise-based stuff, you can just kill it. You can just tank yeah. and go, we're done, let's start again, new just coach, tank. new players, yeah. see you later, I'll, I'll throw money at it and everything will be fine next year. Or at least you have a new, you can just keep going and going. He said, but what he realised when this first relegation with Fulham is you've got to rebuild as you crash. Because yeah. you don't have time, you don't have space. And, and if you actually crash and you get relegated... You have even less time and space because you're losing half your team. That like you're you're in a complete dire straits. You Sunderland and you get relegated. Yeah, and we see other exactly teams right. that don't get it right and just because because they wait to try and rebuild right. and then they spend the first few months of the next season and still in that rebuilding phase, just like Sunderland, and they, they they sink like a rock. So then hearing his 
his recollection of the championship playoff final where Fulham beat Aston Villa 1-0. He said, as I said a minute ago, he said that was the single greatest sporting event that he's ever been to in his life, even though he's the owner of yeah. an NFL team, the owner of what's now a Premier League team. So because everything is on the line, and it's not just on the line to win a championship, it's on the line to a new life. Like yep. to a new existence, to to a, to something which which is the holy grail that you then have to rebuild your your airplane again because you you have to like install yeah. jet engines whilst you're flying because if you don't you're, you're crashing and burning yeah. again and he he said that is what separates English football yeah. and, I, and I'm going to spread that because obviously his experience in, in other leagues yeah. I, I said it's the same in German football same in Spanish football yeah. countries that have a relegation promotion system yeah. yeah that you don't get to experience that and we don't get as fans the excitement of seeing these new teams come up with these these new ways of playing football these new ethics yeah. and and actually seeing them have Fulham had already built the way they played football they'd already built their squad and they were rewarded for it in the in the championship so to see that come into the Premier League and go oh, what what's it like for these players to test their wits against yeah. it so I, I saw that and I really enjoyed it at the awesome. same time as I read an article from the um, the Sydney Olympic boss yeah who, I'm sorry if I'm going off on, no, a, no, on, a, on a rant here, they just won the New South Wales NPL. So it's the league below the A-League. Yeah. For those not based in Australia, the A-League is the top league. Yeah. The NPL uh, is based around different states. They have different state federations and they go into a playoff. That playoff doesn't go anywhere. You just get the best. Yeah. Then you start back the next season in your NPL and carry regional on. <laughs> league, just like everything else, and there's fuck all you can do about it. Yeah. And this bloke who's, who was the manager of Sydney Olympics said, if we don't have relegation promotion in this country, he goes, NPL clubs are going to die out within two years. Yeah. He said, because it, it, these players that we've got, they've just aspired to that, they push for that, they want to test themselves against the best, and they have no ability to do so. The close loop... the FFA Cup? Well, yeah, they are, but then so they, it. they get it's a sixteen-team yeah. tournament. Yeah. It's nonsense. So the 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 like feedback loop that is the league above. Now you could say the NFL, you could say the A League, you could say where players transfer from team to team to team to team to team, and you can play for five AFL clubs, you can play for five A League clubs, yeah. you can play for ten NFL clubs, yeah. because the as I said, the feedback loop. You just it's a just like a round magic round. roundabout where they swap senior players because they want to invest in senior players. Which means that these these kids or these these players who, who win the league don't get a chance to do what Fulham did, yeah. and we don't get a chance as fans to see whether something that's outside of that feedback loop actually has an effect on what we think is the status quo of football. And also, if you say you play for Sydney Olympic and you're the star striker and you're 19, 20 years old, you want to go, you know what, next year I get to play in the A-League. You've earned it. Yeah, I've worked really hard to get to this point, and I'm, now I'm here, I want to play in the A-League, and I want to play against Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory and Sydney or whatever, and give it a go and see how I go and you never a lot of players grow with that scenario and actually become really good but you don't know if that's going to happen but if you don't have relegation and promotion they have to get picked by a club and taken into the A-League it's exactly right. where they're from and out of the club that they know and rather than just being to progress naturally and what's even worse right now is that those NPL clubs they're all trying to sign ex A League players. So they're trying to sign the, the 34, 35 year olds who are who've gone through the feedback loop. They play for eight out of ten A League clubs, and they're going down to a South Melbourne, or they're going down to a Sydney Olympic. Which means they're they're even restricting the 
the the, the those young players to even have a place in that club, which means that if you're a ten year old who plays football in a club with in a country with a closed system at the top end, yeah. there's just no way you figure, for you to go. There's no one investing in those because there's you can't do what Shad Khan did, and you can't say I'm going to buy a championship yeah. club, I'm going to get relegated, I'm going to invest in it, I'm going to rebuild my plane as it crashes to 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 gamble on this ethic, this ethos and enjoy the ride and have everyone else come along with me and enjoy it because that ride doesn't exist here but is the A-League big enough and is there enough interest in football is there a big enough population is there a big enough market base that you can have promotion and relegation sustainably in Australia at the moment I think so I, I agree football is the highest participation sport in Australia but some of these what will probably happen is that Potentially, some clubs will go out of business or will go, you know, yeah, like, like a, lot, a lot of the A League clubs at the moment are not sustainable and no. they're propped up by the league. Yeah. So, if you have, if they get relegated and that stops, they then die. And I mean, one of the things is that where it gets difficult is they're trying to grow the game nationally. So, your governing body is obviously invested and. You know, so if if one of those clubs they've been pumping money into then goes tits up, it's it's difficult. So I, I don't I don't think it's as straightforward as just saying but have you, promotion. Is it the responsibility of the A League to go? Okay, we're going to have A League One, A League Two. So you have a twenty teams and you have ten in each. Like Scotland has ten in each. That's exactly right. Scotland manages to do it. And Scotland uh, has a lesser population than Australia and and fewer fans. But it's not that. Football in Scotland isn't that healthy. It's, it's you know for a long, long time it's been Celtic Rangers and then the rest. Yeah, well, at the very top, yes, yeah. but the rest of the league is healthy. Competitive. But if you play in Scotland, you have the ability to get promoted to the Scottish Premier League, and you can go up and down and move around. Yeah, I mean, I'd ra- I'd rather have it. I just wonder. I don't know enough about the you know the financial side of it, and I suspect that's got a lot to do with why they've made a decision not to have it. And the other part is it's Australia, and Australia is always. Franchise team. Yeah, that's it. And there are only two professional. There are only two countries in the world. That's it. That have that are FIFA endorsed. That have don't have promotion and relegation. And that's the United States and that's Australia. Yeah. Well, that's outrageous. And again, there are two countries who are very set on their franchise-based sporting yeah. environments. Yeah. Um, Okay, so look what's happening with Bolton Wonders. You're going to talk about Bolton Wonders. I don't want to go too much into the detail. But when you can't afford to pay your bills, you can't afford to pay your wages, you don't get held up by the league. You get docked points. Yeah. You, you, you get you get punished. You get transfer bans. It, it's your prerogative to make sure that your club is well run. And if you only have three, four, five thousand people through the gate every week they need to make sure that your wage bill works correctly. But you can see why they risk it to, you know, you risk everything to get to the the, the promised land of the yeah. Premier League and then you can over you know of course you can. Try, try and go too far to try and stay there and then it's when that but then look what happens to QPR trouble. so then you get relegated then you go down like a, like a sack of sponge but you look another Fulham comes up when you do so when it's when it's a healthy interchange like that that happens regularly let's say Central Coast who who get a terrible attendance on a regular basis uh, who have been propped up by the A-League for many many years let's say Central Coast get relegated and get docked points because they can't afford their, their wages 
The merry-go-round happens with their players. Their players sent yeah. the top. Someone else gets promoted. They might not have the, the capacity to fan base. Central Coast get to rebuild their financial, their wage structure, so they're not just throwing yeah. good money after bad. And they might get promoted the following year because they have a better infrastructure than everyone else. But great, they come up as a new club. I, I think also, if you do that as well, it gives the clubs responsibility to kind of invest in their local community in their future and make new fans get new footballers in because you go we've got no money we need to train kids if we get kids in you start growing 100%. kids and you get kids through the system and it takes a while but it'll go but I think there's some things that make it much more difficult here as well than in the UK one is geography in terms of the site you know England fits inside Australia about 50 times you know yeah. 46 times and so <clears throat> That the difficulty between travelling, particularly when you go down a league and there's less money, you know, becomes significant. And then the other thing is in some of these areas, you know, that the A League are trying to, or you know, FFA are trying to promote growth by having football in these areas. And perhaps without them pumping money into it, it just might not be sustainable. So it might die completely. And that's not what they want yeah. because they want it to be a national game. And so I think one of the dangers is is that you might end up, rather than a national competition, you know, it becomes a number of teams in Melbourne, a number of teams in Sydney, and then if, you know a, a smattering a, of others. A smattering of others. Yeah, but, but but show me a show me a sport in Australia that, that gets played in every single state. There isn't one. Yeah. There, there is no Northern Territory AFL side. It just doesn't happen. There is no national sport here. There's a bunch, there's a lot of teams in Sydney. There's a lot of teams in Melbourne. There's a team in Brisbane. There's a team in Perth. Yeah. There, there's a team. Teams are based around where the population sits. And and if you're gonna subsidise and hold up clubs, why don't you subsidise and hold up travel? No, no. If if that's the problem. Now I know that I'm looking at it with rose tinted glasses. Yeah. I know that I've not looked over the yeah. the plans. <laughs> I'm not sitting there with my calculator working yeah. out. And and to be honest, I, I don't feel like. So anyone should be. I know it sounds it sounds like a, a yeah, fatalistic no. approach. I feel like the the game has been trialled like this in countries that are richer than Australia, countries that are poorer Australia, countries like Brazil that are bigger. Yeah. That I think that this has been trialled globally and this is healthy for football. Yet there are two countries that do not subscribe to it and they will be blue in the face telling you that it never works, it won't work, it won't work. Yeah. So do you think it's just or it's mainly an you know an ideology thing? It's it's you know it's because it's always well, been no, a it's, franchise. It's, I mean it's a it's a fucking corruption and a mafia thing in this country. The the the, the FFA are I, I don't, I'm not going to start on an FFA rant, yeah. but the thing is that when it was started, it was started with, with there's personal capital put it put into it. There are shareholders and they want to make a profit, and this model is is working and they're making a profit because of that it won't change for the good of the game. And the good of the game is no longer a priority. The priority is making a sellable product. Yeah, I think that is the fundamental issue, is that it's not around growing football as a thing, it's not around sport growing, it's not about getting kids involved, it's about, ooh, the Premier League makes money, can we make money here out of it? And also, I think a little bit of responsibility, maybe they don't have a say in it, comes to the clubs, um, is they they need to also not just go, oh, the A-League will sort us out, the A-League will sort us out, like they've got to go, no, we're going to build a club and we're going to build a community, and we're going to build. But something. they're res- they're restricted, John. That they can't sell players for profit amongst yeah. themselves. Yeah. Like like the the regulations that've been put on these clubs funnel profits back to the FFA, and the FFA then channel that money back as they see fit oh, to these clubs yeah, and investment. I just don't. There are so many things about the system that I don't think work well with football. 
and I mean maybe that's because we're English yeah. and we've always had a different system but I mean just touching on the FFA so the it's I think it's also yeah partly a mess because the people that have been charged with looking after the game in Australia have been doing a bad job for a very long time I mean to to have a guy who can hand over the running of a sport in a country because he's his son is a little bit of a, so is wrong. a little bit of a worry. I mean, it's like the, it's like it's like Saddam Hussein and his, yeah, his nephews. North Korea. But, yeah. do but that. then you know when the guy is also doing a terrible job, it makes it even worse. But there's so there's a um, extraordinary general meeting coming up on the second of October um, yeah. with. Uh, all and the, is that what it's called, an extraordinary general meeting? Yes, yeah. because so there was the FIFA Normalisation Committee. Now, I thought, in error, that the FIFA Normalisation Committee coming over meant that they basically came over and said, you have to do this. Yeah. But what it, what they've done at the moment is make recommendations. Now, this meeting is then to decide whether or not to adopt the recommendations of the FIFA Normalisation Committee, or to reject them. Wow. Let me let me let me interject there, and I, I yeah. don't mean to, to interrupt because you can keep going in a second. Yes, that is the case. However, if they don't accept them, the Normalisation Committee comes in again and says we, we disband your governing body. Yeah. Wow. So we take over your governing. So they said, well, these are recommendations. You can choose to take them and continue control, or if you don't take them it steps it up again but that's not the only thing that could they could potentially be banned from international competition like they would without a doubt be banned there, there's, so there are wow. there are there are significant consequences for this meeting and you know we've talked about this in the past that effectively the way that Lowy has maintained power is by recruiting um, heads of football in places where there isn't much interest in football the four bodies um, northern New South Wales the northern territory Tasmania and um uh, and, and ACT yeah. donkey votes and yeah. you know he's just wrote them all up and that's how he's sort of getting his way every time but I mean and I think largely he's doing it for personal gain but now we're talking about something that is and this is I think was this what Foz was getting so worked up about but it I mean it this is a significant event and I mean the repercussions for for the sport in Australia could be huge because obviously if they d- decide to reject FIFA's um, recommendations, then it's just, and, and then they do, and FIFA do come back and back. Then they, you know, being banned is a realistic outcome. Yeah, and I mean that. And that's w- huge. That would be terrible within for a month in Australia. That, that would be the the Asian Cup holding champions have been banned from international yeah. football. And everyone loves the World Cup in Australia. Like once the World Cup happens, yeah. and if you can't go to the World Cup, and it will be women's teams as well. And the Australian women's team is excellent. And yeah, could one of the best stuff. in the world. Yeah. yeah. What did we What did we say? Fifteen minutes ago, the World Cup is the point. Yes, it, that the pinnacle. When you play in the A League, you want to get picked for Australia. Yeah. And there's been a big hoo ha in the last five years about how many A League players play for Australia. The po- and then it's about qualifying. The World Cup is the point here. Yeah. When you're 12 years old, yeah. what you want to do is play in the World Cup. And you yeah. see all the kids now playing football, and one of the reasons is because they've seen their heroes play in the Premier League and play, and yeah. then go on and play in the World Cup, and they want to be those players. But I mean, imagine that. Imagine if Australia, and you know, there's the whole thing of like the the Aussie battler and you know I think Australians like almost that the Australian football team is a bit of an underdog yeah and so when they do well you know everyone I think I think everyone is really invested in the Australian football team in Australia probably much in a much broader sense than people are invested in the Mm. A-League and so I think all of a sudden if you remove that 
That's a the interest problem. in football in Australia, you know, drops dramatically. Yeah. So it's huge. I, it's huge. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'll be really interested to see what happens with that. So that's coming up. So in that's second of October. Yeah. Um, has anyone got anything else before we go on to our email section? I do, I do. I just, it's not, I'm sure it's a bit of a side point. Did you see that this week the West Ham board came out and publicly backed Pellegrino? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, the kiss of death. Oh, he's going to be fired. I quote, what's this bloke's name? Um, David uh, Hammers Vice Chairman Karen Brady oh, yeah. has complete faith oh, no. in the Argentine that's definitely going to end in tears. Complete faith. And this 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 popped up in my world the day after. You know those, those Facebook things where they go, what happened a year ago? Yeah. A year ago to the day... Oh, God, was that on the pitch with the fans? No, a year no. ago to the day Frank De Boer got sacked after four games without a win. <laughs> and then the next day, public backing by the West Ham. Board. I was like, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah, it doesn't look good. For West Ham, um, Jeff touched on Bolton, so yeah, I mean, just on, more. So just that um, Bolton are in some serious financial difficulties, yeah. and their um, you know chairman effectively came out this week and said that they're you know not going to be able to uh, make uh, loan repayments. Are they the in the championship? The they're moment? in the championship. They're actually doing quite well. They were a favourite for relegation, yeah. um, but they're I think they're eighth at the moment, so just outside the playoffs, and they've actually done quite well but they're potentially it looks very likely they're going to go into administration if that happens they then get docked 12 points immediately wow which would I think they're on about I think they're on 8 points at the moment so they'll go to minus 4 points Um, you know it it makes it tough you know and I mean to I think they've probably got enough to stay up this year but I mean it it makes it really it hard. It makes it really when, difficult. It's just so sad that when you have a team that used to have JJ Kocha and Yuri mm. Jorkiev playing in Europe and then, I oh know, might go into administration in the championship. The thing is, I, I read some quotes from their from their manager and he and he was coming out and saying that our creditors are idiots. <laughs> he, said, he said, if they want return for their money and they're going to say that we're a month late on our payments, fine, dock us 12 points or whatever it is, let us go into administration, let us get relegated and then see what return you're going to get on your money. Yeah. Or give us a month, and you've still got a fucking fully functioning football club that's worth money. Like, you're idiots. Yeah. But I don't think that goes down well. It doesn't work well <laughs> with administrators, I don't think. I mean, and they were playing in Europe, let's not forget, not yeah. that long ago. Well, we couldn't forget. John just said it. I said it about yeah. three seconds ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you, were, you, just, men- you just mentioned uh, JJ. And the fact that they were playing in Europe. Yeah, it's just like... And I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's because I particularly remember the... Premier League from from that era, but I, I really enjoyed Bolton at yeah. that point. And it, well, it was when Sam Allardyce wasn't the knob. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was still new and interesting, yeah. skinnier. And um, um, I'm going to move on to emails because oh, okay. yeah, we're go on. massively running out of time. All right. Um, so I'm going to talk about emails, and then we have still got next weekend Premier League to talk about. Oh, oh wow. and then yeah. feature okay. and side stories. Yeah, we better. There's move lots on. coming up in the next ten minutes. We're All ready. Right. Speed, quick fire. Emails. So. We got an email from Jason Ford. Jason Ford, and now Jason, I'm going to get this pronounced wrong, is from Vice Elia um, in California. Wow. wow. Um, but he just wanted to say that I'm so glad you cleared up the fake news that you put out last week about Son Q-Min. Roger. <laughs> Though I'm not a Spurs fan, I found it depressing that such a talent would have to leave world football for the next two years. He's actually a Leicester fan and has been since the 14-15 season, the year of their great escape. So he decided to 
support them. Jump on board. Just as they were about to get relegated. Fuck, I hope you put 10 bucks on that, Jason. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, he just found the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Loves it. Keep it up. We also have a second email from Luke Maloney, who's from Melbourne. Um, he's been getting right into the pod lately and says, we're doing a great job. Um, but he wanted to talk about the throwing coach at Liverpool. Oh, go oh, on then, Luke. So he's got a bit of a story. And it said, it reminded me of my own coach in my juniors. This coach was the dad of our centre forward, an English bloke who played for Reading for a while. He actually played against Arsenal in the fourth round of the FA Cup at Highbury and would often get the scrapbook out and show us pics after a few beers. Picture attached, which is there. <laughs> um, I think he scored too. Anyway, he had this... We had this set play where basically any time we had the ball from a throw-in our forwards, in a forward third, we'd give it to the bloke with the longest throw. He'd launch it towards our centre-forward's massive noggin around about the penalty spot, and we'd either head it at goal or flick it over the top to me, or the winger, for a tap-in. We probably scored 25% to 50% of our goals from this, <laughs> and it was ridiculous how easy it was and how hard it was to defend. Ten years later, a bunch of us from the same junior club went back to have another season of glory. Glory was not attained. And tried to implement the same play. Basically, whenever we did it, we score or go close. But that, what was crazy was how reluctant everybody was to do it every time. Something that was so obviously a weapon, but a little out of the box was so hard for people to adopt. They'd just go the short option or down the line. It's classic human response of, oh no, we've always done it this way. So in some ways, not surprised to see that clubs, even at the top, still send it down the line in a context. That's from Luke. Interesting, Luke. Melbourne. That's interesting, because um, I've been having a... You reeled out a stat last week, John, about what, 60 throw-ins per game. Yeah. I, 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 yeah that's it's just it's, bothered me, because why Why is this why the first time... Why yeah. in 2000 and... What year is it? 2018 <laughs> yeah. are we yeah. in now? Why is not people doing anything about why it? Why is this the first time we're having this chat? Yes. Do you know, whenever we go to... Whenever I hear a story about... Um, you know, like playing football when you're a kid or whatever, playing club football. Um, there's, a, there's a guy who we played with called uh, Craig. Yeah. And his dad was very, very vocal. But he was also about 150 kilos. And don't ask me why I always think this, but I just do. Because he thought Craig was the best player on the team. Now, Craig was okay. He was okay at football, but he wasn't that brilliant. <laughs> but as far as his dad was concerned, the he was the greatest. And he was always like, you know, pass it to Craig. Why didn't you pass it to Craig? Pass it to Craig. But he was about 150 kilos and he couldn't stand for the duration of a game. So he used to kneel. <laughs> and he had this huge beer gut, like with the tight T-shirt, you know, the, you yeah, know, the yeah, type, yeah. and really fucking loud. And he'd go about halfway and he'd sort of settle in on his knees. And then the entire game, it was basically shouting past the ball to play. <laughs> so I just I immediately get anyway, yes. that image. Yeah, conjured up. But uh, thank you to Jason and Luke for sending us the email. Yeah, cheers, guys. Um, if anyone else wants to send us the email, it's footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. I didn't think that people sent emails anymore. Yeah. I thought it was like the telephone no, that emails, no one uses. Emails will be around forever. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, you brothers, your half your job is probably sending emails, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, they have work emails, not casual. <laughs> I don't think that people just email people. We've been doing this for three seasons now, and where's bloody? We really haven't told him. Where's our Jasons? Like, yes. thanks, Jason, but bloody hell, where's where? Where were you two years ago? Sporting Leicester. It's because we didn't tell anyone the email address until about three weeks. ago. And whose fault was that, presenter boy? Me. <laughs> That's definitely my fault. Um, let's go on to next weekend. Uh, Spurs Liverpool. 
Yeah, this is exciting. Premier League's back. Because it's um, Nations League, it's crept up on me a bit. Nations League. You know, looking a couple of days ago and being like, it's Spurs-Liverpool. It's Spurs-Liverpool. That's a great game. And it's an early kickoff on a Saturday, which means we can watch it at a normal time at the pub. Messi Jason, it's on about 5am in America, isn't it? Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I... What's going to happen? I just think Liverpool are going to smash them. I, I like I, really yeah I I think Spurs haven't played badly John yet no I just for some reason I just think Liverpool are gonna this is a kind of game that Liverpool play well against the big teams and I think they'll and we're well. at Wembley here aren't we we're at Wembley and I just think Liverpool are gonna I just got a feeling that Liverpool are gonna 2-3-0 but it pains me to say it but I think John's right uh, I, I think that um wow there has been a certain lethargy to, to Spurs' football this, this season. And I think that what happened in their last game where um, they get beat by Watford was that their yeah. last result. And the way they set up shop and the way that, remember, they went a goal up and, and then just, just took the foot off the, yeah. off the accelerator. I just think that Wouldn't they're that not... not that make them more up for it, though? Because I feel like, you know, maybe that's the sort of... That's the wake-up call, that no. loss. I just don't think they're up to the pace yet. And I think that Liverpool are a team that will... Take them by surprise before they can realise they're not up to the pace. The first 20 minutes of that game is going to be chaos. Yeah. And I think that Liverpool will be out of sight in 20 minutes. That's It's not my bet of the week, and it should be. Yeah. But I think Liverpool are going to be out of sight. And they're playing at Wembley as well, which Spurs didn't want to be. Like The whole thing's a shamozzle for them. Spurs, uh, they're not like Man City, but they're similar in the way that they play the game. And for Liverpool, that's the perfect team to play against. And we saw what Liverpool did to Man City in the Champions League last year. I yeah, I think three nil up after twenty minutes. I don't think we over. can underestimate Spurs though, because I I wonder whether the I mean I I, I agree and I I think Liverpool might win this um, partly because their record against the you know the top six has been so good, but you know Spurs Spurs are a very good football team. I know they haven't quite been at the races so far this year, but nor had Liverpool really. We've talked about Liverpool winning without playing that well. Mm. Yeah, I looked at in the week at Christian Eriksen uh giving Wales a wake up yeah. call and you know he's he's, Wales he's, he's gutted. Oh, it's the futsal team. Oh, yeah. no, it's Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen. <laughs> uh, he scored two. Did you see his goals? Yeah, both both his goals are brilliant. I'm like the, the guy is 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 brilliant and and I mean I think you know and Lucas Mora looks like yeah. he's you know sort of getting it together. Harry Kane will be up for this game. Like I don't I just I see it being a Perhaps a more evenly contested game than, yeah, you're, yeah. than you're than you're saying. I think Spurs will be well up for it, but I think it's going to be one thing we do know is that it's going to be good football. Like I, you know, if this was Man United playing either of those teams, I wouldn't be half as excited as I am about the fact that it's Spurs Liverpool because even if there aren't goals, I feel yeah. like you know there's there's going to be plenty of intent. Um, yeah, it's definitely a brilliant game. But uh, no, I I'm, I've got Liverpool all over it. Yeah, interesting. I mean, of the games that uh, this weekend, uh, the one one of them that sticks out for me is Newcastle Arsenal. Not for positive reasons. No. Uh, was Depend. it? Oh, don't don't laugh. When are you trying to be positive about Arsenal last week? Well, it's not Arsenal's fault. This is Newcastle's fault. Oh, this is Rafa. So Newcastle are at home against Arsenal. Newcastle will play a five-man back line. Yeah, they will. Yes. Arsenal will realise they they're only they only kind of know what they're doing yet. And this is going to be dirge, absolute yeah. dirge. But I feel like Newcastle. This is you know you talked about maybe Cardiff not losing against Arsenal. I feel like that situation is perhaps more 
applicable to this game because Newcastle will defend better than Cardiff did because Rafa's very good at it and Arsenal can't defend. So I don't I can want you to take I can away see, my... I can see Newcastle getting a goal from a corner and... Don't want you to take away my end feature, Rog, but I've, I've had that oh. thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a big game for West Ham United is, is away to Everton. Well, yeah, like you're saying about um, West Ham have come out with uh, confidence for Pellegrino, Pellegrini. The water boy. The water boy. Um, Everton have started the season pretty well, and I can see them getting a win at home to West Ham. West Ham lose five in a row. And their, their games after that are Manchester United and Chelsea. Yeah. So they could be on seven games. We spoke about this Everton's months ago. Everton's home record's very good. Yeah. Like it's been, it's not Marcus just Silva this, this year, is it? The, the problem is the injury crisis at Everton right now. So Seamus Coleman got injured playing on international duty. Jagielka, even though his uh, suspension's over, he's injured. Garner Gay is injured. Schneidlin's only coming back from injury. Theo Walcott's injured. Mina's injured. Mina's injured. You're, you're talking about a pretty makeshift team. And the the Everton side that was so depressing last season are the players who are left after the injury <laughs> crisis and, this and season. Richarlison's still suspended. He's still yeah. suspended for one more game. Yeah. He scored an excellent brace for Brazil. Yeah, he scored twice for Brazil overnight. Excellent. First yeah. start for Brazil, scored two great goals. Um, shame he can't play against West Ham. But if, if, I you know, if I was a West Ham fan, I'd be looking at this going, if we're going to get a result, we might as well play this a bunch of like a sick note. If I played up front for Brazil against El Salvador, I reckon I'd score two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've got Neymar and Coutinho next well, year. I think, I think Joe scored for Brazil, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that says it all. <laughs> he also played for Everton. Um, yeah, I'll um, pay that. I'll pay that. I'm quite looking forward to the Man City-Fulham game. I reckon that's the best of the three o'clock games because Fulham play decent football. Obviously, Man City play great football. I think Man City are going to smash them. Yeah, I can't see anything else other than the. Man I think it'll be a good game to watch. So, well, I mean, I suppose the um, the Wolves Man City game that we watched was brilliant. I mean, that and that's we, we, you talked about the promoted teams coming up, and I think one of the reasons we were so excited about it this year was that both Wolves and Fulham have a distinct style of playing. And they are both trying to impose that on Premier League teams. Like you yeah. said, the players want to test themselves against the best. And it, yeah. I, I just, I'm just i enjoying watching them both have a go and not just going, we're going to go 10 men behind the ball. Yeah. We think we can play football at a level that will keep us in this division. And that's, there there are two games watch. this weekend that make me want to just stab myself in the face with a banana. Can I guess them? Go on, please. Huddersfield Crystal Palace? Yes, that's number one. Yeah, Come on. It's an ugly game. Oh, uh, Wilf- Southampton Wilfred Dar- yes! <laughs> Wil- Wilfred Dars back, though, I think, for Palace. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Which maybe makes it a slightly more squishy banana. Or, I did, um, or, like, yeah, I did think about the Huddersfield Crystal Palace and just go oh, nil nil. Yeah, or I don't even care. Yeah. And Southampton Brighton, I've just. It could just not exist. Yeah, and and I'm so happened. sorry because <laughs> I, I, I know a Southampton fan. I know Brighton fans are great. You know, I can usually think of positive but things. But unpredictable to say. game, maybe. I don't know. Who, who do you, who you gonna That's because that no one actually puts the effort into predicting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking of predictions, is it time for an end feature, Jeffo? You've got an exciting new tune for us. No, it goes up. No, it's it goes up. Definitely the same. No, it goes up. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. It goes up. Um, I'm going to go first with my bet this week because I never get to go first. Go on then. I'm going to bet on Burnley to beat Wolves. Um, Wolves are playing at home. Burnley away. But I think Burnley are due a win. And I'm going to play bet on Arsenal to beat Newcastle away from home. 
paying ten dollars and ten cents for the two. Whoa! Is it so? Why? Why is the? Where's the money in that? Is that because of Burnley, the Burnley paying five bucks to beat Wolves? That's unbelievable. And I just think Burnley are out of Europe. That fun thing was over. They've had the international break. Um, I think they've just gone. Okay, we need to get some results now. And I think they'll be a really awkward team for Wolves to play. So I think they could uh, go and get a result. I think they drew a win. Wow. So yeah, paying ten dollars for those two. Well, I hope you lose. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go next. I have put money on Ian Acho to score for Leicester. Oh, nice. What's Jamie Vardis, Vardy is still suspended. Vardis? Vardis. Jamis Vardis. We're combining Jamie Vardy in the TARDIS. It's the wedding champagne. Mm. What can I tell you? <laughs> um, I think that Ian Acho is going to score for Leicester. He looked good in the last game. Yeah. I've got any time goal scorer doesn't have to score first and it is paying $2.60 nice good one Rog what's your uh... Uh, my entirely unconfident bet is I've gone with Liverpool I noticed that it, but you both talked about it but I've decided to put my money where yeah. my mouth was with that and I've gone Liverpool so I've... we both said Liverpool are going to smash it you said no, and, and now you, you put money on and Liverpool. And now you put money on it. No, I just said I think Liverpool are going you to win. You us more than no, yourself. No, I said I thought Liverpool were going to win, but I thought it was going to be closer than what you two have said. If only we were recording this conversation. And <laughs> so I think there'll be goals in it. So I think it'll be Liverpool and there'll be over two and a half goals in the game. Yeah. Um, and... I was going to go Crystal Palace, but after they let me down a couple of weeks yeah. ago, because there's talk of Zaha being back and also Tompkins. And yeah. you know, they've got that really good record of Tompkins and Sacco. They never played. They never. And I, yeah. When I bet on Palace, him and Zaha weren't playing, yeah. and obviously they lost. But uh, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Chelsea to win both halves against Cardiff. Wow. And it's paying 860. Wow, it's a big bet. Um, before we move on, I forgot to tell everyone how we went last week on the end feature. Badly. I lost badly. Rog lost badly. But Jeff, you were very close. Oh my God, I was yeah. so close. So Jeff's bet was England to be ahead at half-time and then end up losing the game to Spain. And that kind of happened, but all before half-time. The, the logic was sound, but we capitulated quicker than I had anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I really didn't enjoy last weekend? Was I bet on bloody... Uh, what was it New York and New England Revolution yeah. in, by the time the pod was out you were a loser yeah. I was and what really annoyed me was then I knew I'd already lost so I spent the entire weekend panicking that either of you was going to win <laughs> so it was just a really bad feeling so I'm never again betting on something that happens before yeah I've got a, a feel good story as a side story to end yeah, on, on. With, um, so uh Obviously, we all play football manager. Or ha- when or I say or have in the past, obviously now. Yeah. I mean, I've got a two-year-old. I don't have time to yeah. sit in my pants for like fourteen hours, <laughs> like researching. So true. Um, <laughs> so I just not, not real anymore. But fifteen years ago, when I was playing football manager, before it was graphical, before yeah. the little dots, dots running around, so, uh, yeah. before the dots, I remember yeah. it was just like a banner going. Me, yeah. Marcus yeah. Bent scored. Um, I read a really. Heartwarming story uh, written by, well, not written by, that makes me sound like an author, but an interview with uh, Vincent Company. Yeah. Talking about Robertson, who plays for Liverpool. Oh, yeah, the left back. Yeah. Saying that. Um, Scotland captain. Yeah, it, basically, it was, it was when Belgium played Scotland. So Belgium beat Scotland, and he was asked about the Scotland team. Yeah. And he was saying that actually he knew of Robertson a fair few years ago. 
He said, because when Robertson was playing for Queen's Park six years ago in the Scottish second or Scottish third division, Company was playing football manager. (laughs) (laughs) And Company signed him. And he he said, um, he goes, left backs are hard to come by on that game. He goes, I spotted him. I thought he had some good attributes. And he he turned into a superstar for me. He said, so when he saw his actual career, when he saw him move to Liverpool, he was like, oh yeah, I know this kid. I know this kid. So playing against him for Company was a pleasure for Company. It was like, it was like Company meeting one of his heroes. (laughs) That is, that is... That's exactly what it would be like, though. As well. Imagine be so it. There, there are so yeah. many in my head. I've got so many football managers. Like, if I met Carlos Vela, I would just like I'd get him to autograph my face so, because I signed him for every club I ever had. I remember a Bogdan Stanchu. Romanian. Romanian. So imagine that. So imagine if you're Robertson going up to company and company's like, "Oh, it's great to meet you. Oh, how yeah. good's that?" Oh, well, on that happy note, I reckon we should go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we'll be back in the shed next week. Um, as always, you can find us on iTunes and now Spotify, which is very exciting. So what happened with Spotify? Can You like does you it just, just go on Spotify and search Football Shed and then we're there. No, but why have we not always been on Spotify? Because it's just a new thing. Oh, great. Spotify right. started doing podcasts. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, I had a look. I was like, oh, we're, we're on Spotify. It's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com um, and tell your mates and subscribe and we'll be back next week thanks guys Bye. see ya so like we